Matt. Yes, Jamie. What's your favourite type of rings? Um, is it Lord of the Rings? I quite like a, a diamond ring. No. But Matt, do you know what's better than all of those? Um, Saturn's rings. Yes. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. The Interplanetary Podcast. It's It's not not rocket science. Not. Not. Have we got any listeners left after that? Matt, it's podcast 18, and I'm so excited because we're talking about Saturn's rings. I know, this, this is, you've been wanting to do this one for a while, haven't you? I've been wanting to do this for months, and we're finally here. Yes. And, and it is really, it's a really pertinent one to do, I think, because one of the things that's really exciting this year is the conclusion of the Cassini mission. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's only got how long left before they plunge it into Saturn? Well, I think it's plunging down in September. So if they can do that on my birthday, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Good old Cassini. Thank you for your thank you for your uh, service. It is one of the most amazing space programs of, of all time. Agreed. So many, so many cool things. When you, if you go on the NASA page and look on the Cassini timeline, yeah, I just just the just the photos. If you're just into f- photos of amazing stuff, Cassini, oh, I think, is taking more more photos of amazing stuff than any other satellite or any other person ever it's just ridiculous agreed it's agreed so, yeah so good it's absolutely stunning and like we were talking about before we pressed record when you don't when you don't really think much about what saturn's rings are it does blow your mind when you learn a bit more about it we, we just want to blow a few minds today yeah yeah do you know what one of the great things for researching for the podcast is that you you learn so much it's brilliant I like it. What, what a pair of learners. Yeah, we're learning and we're, we're, we're hopefully, listener, we're uh, listener. Yeah. Because <laughs> it has dropped down to one. <laughs> yeah. you, you can join us on this journey of discovery. Oh, I like that, Matt. That was very sky at night. So um, there was a chap called Galileo that you may have oh, heard yeah. of, or Galileo Galilei, uh, who uh, was pretty much the first person to kind of look through a telescope. Yeah, he was. And one of the first things, and one of the first things he did with this telescope, other than look at the moon and describe that in great detail, was to look at Saturn. And this is what he said: Saturn is not a single star, but is a composite of three, which almost touch each other, never change or move relative to each other, and are arranged in a row along the zodiac. The middle one being three times larger than the lateral ones. Yeah, he, he thought it was a triple planet. I think we can. I think we can definitely forgive him because it was sixteen ten. <laughs> um, well, imagine how rubbish his telescope was. The funny thing is, I, and I absolutely um, demand that everyone do this: is a look at Jupiter and Saturn through binoculars because it's incredible because mm. you can see their moons and things <clears throat> through just purely through binoculars find a place where you can sort of rest your binoculars so not wiggling around Mm. um but i wonder if uh, through binoculars you can see saturn's rings as a a triple planet it'd be interesting yeah that would be interesting you can kind of feel like uh like galileo felt one of the greatest things in my life is the first time i saw saturn through a telescope see mine was jupiter in your garden matt that's the that's the that's the time that it blew my mind yeah i mean jupiter and saturn i just just can't believe that you can see these things just 
literally floating out there in space. Yes. They look like they're painted on. It doesn't seem real, does it? It doesn't seem real. But you know what, Matt? It, it is real. It is real. Well, this is the crazy thing. This thing is it real. It's actually real. So if we skip forward 45 years after that... Um, you get one of my favourite astronomers, is Christian Huygens. This guy. Dutch, when the Dutch ruled the world, this was, in their little brief period where the Dutch were absolutely, absolutely smashing, smashing it. it. And he, uh, he quite cleverly... Uh, through, uh, you know, some help with his more powerful telescope, proposed that Saturn had a thin, flat ring. Um, I mean, uh, that's pretty amazing considering that it yeah. wasn't that. It wasn't <laughs> well, I mean, that yeah. much more forward in time. Forty-five. I mean, this was still sixteen fifty-five. Well, Christian Huygens, if you read about him, he did so Hmm. many amazing things, including working out how bright stars are using this special method. Just read about Christian Huygens. He's incredible. And he had a friend, Giovanni Ah, Cassini. Now, we've just mentioned Cassini, but Cassini is obviously what Cassini, uh, the uh, spacecraft, is named after. And he went a little bit further than Huygens and could actually resolve the uh, separation between the A and the B rings. So he's the first person to see that there was actually a sort of gap in see, between that the blows, rings. I, it blows my mind that he could that he could work stuff like that out. For, when you think about the distance involved, in 1675... Yeah, it, it's absolutely preposterous. It's really insane. <laughs> and right now, guess how far um, Saturn is away from us? Uh, I don't know. Hit me. It's almost exactly a billion miles away. <laughs> I mean, like it, it's actually really weird. When I looked up where it is at the moment, yeah, it's almost exactly a billion miles away. Matt, did you say that with your with your pinky next to your mouth? One billion miles. Away. <laughs> One billion miles. <laughs> um, twice every almost thirty years, Saturn appears ringless. Yeah. When it's when it's edge when it's when its rings are edge on as viewed from Earth. Yeah, well, you imagine at a, a billion miles distance, you can't see because Saturn's rings are only about ten meters thick. So when it obviously you can't resolve ten meters hmm. uh, from uh, a billion miles away, so it, it it just disappears. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, the closer you get, the more kind of discordant they are. There were some peaks that are, that are as big as Mount Everest. Is that true? I don't know. With it, I, I always thought that it ranged from snowball size to um, the size of a house. But that, yeah, the, there's a there's a um, certainly the moons that travel in between the gaps. Yeah, which well, which Can which are creating the gaps. They, they become they they they're about the size of Mount Everest. Hmm. Uh, well, some of them insane. So. Uh, I want to talk just quickly about the space missions that we've sent to Saturn to discover all this stuff, because the, the, the things that we've discovered are incredible. Right, so who was up first? So we haven't had many, and we'll go through all of them, because there haven't been many spacecraft that have made it out that far. The first one that got out that far was uh, Pioneer 11, which was in 1979. The year I was born. Go on, Pioneer. So, So your life and Saturn's discovery are very much intertwined james that's true so um yeah so pioneer 11 was sent out as a kind of pioneering mission to before they sent out the voyages and it flew uh, about twenty-two thousand kilometers away from saturn and discovered the planet's 
outer rings. So it, it actually discovered that there was two more rings that you couldn't see from Earth. Right. And uh, also discovered that it had a ridiculously strong magnetic field. Yeah, of course. Uh, and next up, we had the Voyager, mm-hmm. which uh, confirmed the existence of an extra nine moons. And then in no- October 1997, there was a Titan rocket, rocket launch that flew up uh, the Cassini spacecraft, which we mentioned yes. earlier. Uh, that that went round Venus a couple of times to get a, 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 an assist, and then went round the Earth and Moon after that for a quick assist again through the asteroid belt where it did a bit of science. Went past Jupiter in two thousand and one where it did a little bit more science as well, and then by the first of July two thousand and four began to orbit around Saturn. I remember that, and I can't believe that that's I can't believe that's thirteen years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's the largest interplanetary spacecraft ever built. So it's the size of a, a two-storey building. Wow. So it's very similar to that one that we stood next to in the uh, Science Museum in, in terms of size. Yeah, that's, that's pretty big. So six tonnes. Six, six tonnes in weight. Yeah, so imagine it's the size of one of those American 30-passenger school buses. So that, that kind of yeah, yellow bus. Yeah, it's pretty bus. big, hurtling in space. Yeah, it, so it's massive. This thing's massive. We won't be able to cover any all the discoveries that that made in this podcast. I mean, we could we could devote a podcast to Cassini because it's it discovered yeah. the plumes of ice on Enceladus uh, and it carried the ESA's uh, Huygens probe. So it's nice that Cassini yeah. and Huygens both went out to uh, yeah. Saturn. Uh, and, Double up. Yep, and uh, Huygens probe... Uh, that was in the news recently because they released uh, a video of it landing on Titan. Yeah. And Titan, by the way, is bigger than Mercury. <laughs> so there was a video of that the other day with the surface because it was January the 14th, 2005, so exactly 12 years yeah. ago, that that landed on Titan, the first, the first spacecraft to land down on a moon of another planet. Yeah, that's insane. So Titan, is Titan the... Is is it the furthest moon away from Saturn? Do you know what? I don't know, but that would that probably would be right because it's certainly I've, the largest. I've got a feeling it is. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's got methane lakes, which is something that Cassini uh, discovered. Cool. Yeah, so the, it looks a bit like it looks a bit like a sort of planet, but it, all the wrong colour. <laughs> I imagine that if hell was real, yeah, um, that it has methane lakes on it. Ooh, yeah. Although there is a chance you, that life life might actually be life might exist in these methane lakes, which would be pretty exciting, wouldn't it? That would be exciting. So, in, in, Cassini discovered a new ring in two thousand and six. Yeah, uh, that's related to the moons Janus and Epimetheus. Mm. One of the most exciting photos ever ever taken is the one where uh, a Cassini gets behind Saturn, and Saturn is blocking out the uh, sun. Yeah, and so the whole of Saturn is brilliantly backlit, and it was able to see like just in incredible detail some of the sort of outer rings that hadn't been able to be seen before, absolutely. and just how all these rings are split up. That is absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing. You should definitely check that photo out. So, talk. Let's talk quickly about the rings. So we've got. I think is it up to G ring, but from A to G. Uh, yeah, and that, and that I believe the G was the G, the one that was found by the Spitzer Space Telescope. I believe it was, and that's got something to do with Phoebe, one of Saturn's furthest moons, is likely the source of the material for that ring. Yeah. So yeah, that goes all the way out. So that, or or is that the F ring? I can never remember. Oh, it's it's, it's tough. 
It's tough. Yeah, so maybe if you know the difference between F and G ring, we can uh, you can write in. Let us know. All you F ring fans, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they, they, that it, it, one of the things <clears throat> that he also did, uh, uh, Cassini, is take that picture of Earth. Uh, faintly to be seen within the rings of Saturn as it looks back towards us so recreating the pale blue dot as it were that's amazing isn't it that's that's a 2013 image that's definitely worth checking out if only only Sagan was alive to see that I've come up with a song um, that helps me remember the order of the rings here we go get the guitar it goes D C B A B A F G that, and that helps me remember the 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 order of the rings, Jamie. That song is now available from iTunes and is downloadable as a ringtone. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's pretty good, though, isn't it? It's, nice, it's really good. Nice yeah, really, yeah. really catchy. Nice way of nice way of remembering. And so that's the order of the rings from uh, Saturn out. Nice. Uh, obviously, the D ring was discovered quite late because it's very, very, very faint indeed. So, Matt, if you retraced the three point two billion kilometers that Cassini's travelled to reach Saturn in a car mm-hmm. at, let's say, 62 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. How long would that ride last you? Oh, I'd, I'd go at about 3,653 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. But thankfully, Cassini was travelling a little bit faster and did it in about seven years. Oh, so in April... Cassini will dive through the gap between Saturn and its innermost D-ring at nearly 76,000 miles per hour relative to Saturn's centre. So here's a question. Will it, will it, so it will break up and some of it will burn away, but will parts of it just live inside one of the ring's orbits forever? No, no, no it's, it's going to burn up in Saturn's atmosphere. They're absolutely... One of the things is to, is to make sure... That the, uh, that the Cassini spacecraft is completely destroyed because they don't want to contaminate the rings at all. Yeah, because if, if space junk starts, you know, crashing into moons and stuff, then yeah. it could cause all kinds of palaver, couldn't well, it? Yeah, one of, the, one of the really beautiful things about Saturn's rings, if you, if you imagine it as snowballs and ice, they're continually bashing into each other. I mean, this, this is basically really a, a rings that stretch out for you know three hundred twenty thousand miles or whatever it is. Mm. Uh, and but it's only the thickness of snowballs. You know, maybe some of them are ten meters, like a sort of you know, like a like an iceberg or something. Yeah. But they're mostly snowballs, and they, these smoke snowballs are continually smashing into each other. And that's why they stay bright. To and they our stay image. bright. Yeah, they stay bright because they're they're continually kind of hitting each other and kind of almost like fresh icy snow. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's just beautiful, isn't it? That is so cool. It's interesting to note that. Uh, do you know what? <laughs> I can't believe it. I keep having to remind myself about this. Saturn shares yeah. the same name as the day that we're recording this podcast, of course. What? But because Saturday and Saturn get uh, uh, from the same derivation, and because Saturn is the sixth planet from the sun, and Saturday is the sixth day of the week. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I've learned I, another new thing today. I can't believe it. But And here's, here's another really good thing. And, and even though it would contain 760 Earths, it's only got one and a, 1.1 times the gravity. 
So if you could jump ten foot on Earth, you could you'd be able to ju- jump about nine point four feet Whoa. on Saturn. So it like barely makes no difference at all. That is cool. And one of the reasons is because Saturn is so undense. And in fact, so much so that if you could get it into a lake, it would float. So Saturn would float in water. <laughs> My God, that's ridiculous. Yep. And so far, we've discovered, confirmed 53 moons, and there's another nine that are on the provisional list. So it looks like there's at least 62 moons. Now that is a lot of moons. What's, what's your favourite moon? Because I know what mine is. Well, I'm going to go with Titan, well, yeah. I, just because just I like the name. Yeah, and, and it is and it is huge and you know, it's so interesting. But mine is and I think a lot of listeners out there is Mimus. Mimus because it, it looks exactly like the Death Star. Because it's the one it's the one <laughs> yeah. with that massive crater in it that and it yeah. makes it look like the Death Star. Uh and that crater, by the way, is the same size as the as the United States. Yeah, that's a big crater. Yeah, so it's a big crater. <laughs> but that, that gives you an idea of how big Mimas is. Even though it's one of the sm- sort of smaller moons, it's still yeah. a substantial body out there. Which is quite ironic, Matt, actually, because somebody put up on the internet a very funny video this morning of Donald Trump walking out um, to be made president. And they put it to the, um, they put it to the theme tune of, uh, of the Imperial March by Star Wars. So. <laughs> it's really good check it out the cassini division is in between the a and the b ring by the way so as we go out so that's what Mm. cassini could see and it's 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 the sort of largest of all the gaps and that's obviously caused by one of the moons that's basically sucking up all the material but what's a really really exciting image that came through Really, very recently, because in November the third, on November the thirtieth, two thousand and sixteen, Cassini yeah. decided that it was going to start its new phase of missions, which is which was actually ring grazing. So mm. for a while, it's going to be sort of as it whizzes round in its massive elliptical orbit, and much like much like the kind of orbit that Juno's doing, it's yeah. going to whiz by the rings and get very very close to those outer rings before. Uh, uh, before this April one, where it starts to dive in between the planet and the rings, yeah. So, that, so these orbits are incredibly, you know, they're, they're running out of fuel, and they think, well, let's just get some really amazing science before the end of the mission. So, yeah, it's absolutely incredible what they're doing. So, this one, uh, they've taken some incredible images that they've gone through. So, we've just got one uh, from from last a couple of weeks ago in in January, yeah, where it's dipped through the ring plane. And has taken a, an amazing image of uh, Daphnis, which is which is one of those moons that's about the same size of uh, Everest. And right. Daphnis is is um, w- w- the brilliance of this of this um, photo is the fact that Daphnis is sitting there in in its own in in, in its own little band that it's that it's caused. Yeah, uh, and the rings themselves ripple around it, so you can see a ripple in the waves. It does the, look of, amazing, of the and, and the it's, actual it's, shape of the moon itself. Oh yeah, the, the whole thing—it's one of the—it's one of the most stunning images you'll ever see, and it's—it's it's by far the, the highest resolution of Daphnis itself. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting the science that causes this. So, just the, the moons, uh, unlike the rings, aren't aren't necessarily uh, orbiting at exactly the same plane, mm. or aren't necessarily orbiting exactly in a circle. They're actually slightly elliptical. So Daphnis has a slightly elliptical orbit. So it kind of sort of almost nudges into the rings and nudges back as it goes around. So it causes this ripple. 
in one dimension. But not only that, it's slightly tilted in its orbit as well. So it causes a ripple in in the in the in a another dimension, not in another dimension as in as in a sci-fi dimension, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in another <laughs> spatial dimension. I was about to get really excited. Yeah, so be a whole, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, so it's causing ripples left to right and right to left. And what's what, what's brilliant about Cassini as well, it's able to sort of take images so that the sun is grazing across the top of the rings, and so. Every now and then, since it's been orbiting, uh, it's it's had the fortunate position of being able to get very large shadows of this uh, up and down uh, movement within the rings, so that you can see the shadow cast across the rings as the sun shines across, you know, almost edge on to the rings. It's, and so you get some fantastic imagery at, the, at those times. Yeah, it's that's so ridiculous. Cool. That is that's an image. It's one of my favourite images, and that was taken really very very recently in. in uh, mid, check it out. All of this is yeah. going to be on the blog, by the way, peeps. So check it out. Uh, another brilliant image that they did with Cassini is to take is to Cassini to go the other side of ja- uh, of Saturn. Yeah, and send lots of radio waves through the rings, and then Earth pick those radio waves up. And they were able, and, and that way they can sort of look at the density and and on all those sort of things of the rings as you go through, as you as as you go through, and it, it and that image of the of of the radio occultation as they called it, um, hmm. uh, is a, a, another one of those just fantastic images of of uh, Saturn because you can really see the, the clearly the ring structure in a in a completely different way. It's fantastic. I'm looking at it now, it's absolutely stunning. Definitely, yeah. definitely check out uh, the tumbler. Oh no, the mass spectrometer aboard the Cassini probe was used to analyse the age of Saturn's rings. Uh, yeah, so the rings were not formed at the same time, and the oldest ones are nearer the planet. So, so you can... yeah, that I, I guess in sense of, I mean, you know, I don't know if we've even talked about how the rings got there in the first place yet, but it's believed to be pieces of comets, asteroids, shattered moons that broke up before they reached the planet. So I guess that would make sense in terms of, you know, the first things that were that were hitting the planet were going to form that first orbit. But yeah, it doesn't I'm, really make sense other than that, does it? No, I mean, it's with something as massive as Saturn. All the all the outer gaseous planets have rings, but Saturn's is the only one that you can really see with the naked eye. Particularly from, I was going to say, from, Matt. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't think about it, but even Uranus has rings. It's something <laughs> I've certainly never thought about. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, the rings. The, the I guess when when something's massive, like one of the gas giants, it rips apart anything that comes anywhere near it. Yeah. And then these things can never form into moons because of the gravitational pull is just so enormous. It's just too strong. Yeah. You get these um, gravity uh, resonances throughout the ring system that means that you get these little moons forming. And mm. that's something that I wanted to talk about, actually, is that you can perceive Saturn's ring system as a mini version of the solar system itself. Mm. So if you replace Saturn with the sun and then all these moons as uh, the big moons as the planets yeah. and then you, these little tiny moons as things like the asteroid belts or even maybe the rings themselves as the asteroid belts and the Kuiper belts and things like that, it mm. actually... Studying Saturn's rings gives you a really, really deep insight into how the solar system formed. So it's it's interesting on many, many levels. Not only is it one of the most... I mean, you could argue it's it's the most beautiful thing 
in the solar system. I, th- so I think so, personally. I think, yeah, that's why I was yeah, excited you know. to do this because it's just it's uh, it's the poster boy of the of the Milky Way, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. It's the poster boy of the Milky Way. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, or they're, girl, they're, they're, or girl. I'm going to go with girl. There's something quite feminine about it. Yeah, 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 man. So there's seven rings, and I, I gave you my little song, in white didn't I? satin. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is satin white? Oh. No, satin isn't white, Jamie. It appears slightly yellow. Well, do you know what? Um, the irony of that, Matt, is that's the opposite of the sun. Because the sun, everyone thinks, is yellow. It's actually white. That's, that, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And do you know why it's white? No. Because we've grown up as a species, as, a, as everything under the sun. So our eyes are adapted so that the sunlight is even, so we perceive it as white. But if we'd grown up near another star, maybe that would appear white. See what I'm saying? Uh, I do so see it's what not you're the fact saying. that it's white, it's just the fact that it's white to human vision. It's because white that's to what us. We've... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So are you saying, Matt, that if you were somebody looking at me from Saturn, I could have a bright blue face? Yes. <laughs> oh, I so, like that. Yeah, that actually, yeah, you probably would. That's, that's quite good. That's quite clever. Yeah, yeah. Enceladus is responsible for creating the E-ring. That's one of the most, that's one of my favourites, Enceladus. We keep getting really, really good pictures mm. of these geysers of water coming from the uh, surface. Mm. And and that's obviously, uh, Saturn's pull is pulling the in innards of Enceladus so much that it's heating up, and the, and and it's and it's a watery body, and this water is spraying out into space, and this ice fountain is causing the E ring. So the E ring is made up of pretty much Enceladus's insides. Oh, that sounds painful. Uh, and one thing that was discovered by the Voyager missions, hmm. and then uh, Cassini's had some fantastic shots of it as well, is that spokes that appear across the rings. These weird kind of... They look like, they look like spokes of a wheel, so as, as, as it goes round, they, they kind of... They come and go across the surface of the rings out. And it's pretty much a mystery, although uh, one of the, the best uh, explanations for the spokes is by Professor Caroline Porco. Oh, yeah. And she's... Yeah, and she's conjectured that the spokes might be composed of electrically charged sheets of dust... Uh, created by either small meteor, uh, meteors impacting the rings, or it could be electron beams coming out the back of the planet's lightning. Whoa. So these spokes might be caused by the lightning on Saturn's surface, which is extremely exciting. Matt, when you were a kid, did, they, did you ever have... Um, were you ever one of the kids to have uh, like those things that you put on your bike spokes that made really annoying noises? Spokies. Oh, right. Is that what they were called? I think they're called spokies, yeah. Really? Yeah, well, yeah. I never yeah. locked one of them, but my neighbour always had one, and, um, yeah, you could hear them coming. <laughs> no, yeah. I never had them. I never, I never saw the point of any of that, that uh, bike furniture, as I used to call it. Yeah, 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 big time. How fast is Saturn travelling compared to us? Oh, or relative to us, I should say. Oh, um, um, I mean, I'm going to estimate, I mean, I'm going to say it around... 21.5 thousand miles an hour. Wow. How close Jamie, am I? You're pretty close. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I'll go say. I'm going to say that's bang on. It's almost like I found the information and then I read it. <laughs> Did you read it on Reddit? I didn't, but I should have done. No. Saturn rotates in the same direction as Earth, west to east. 
So, Jamie, let's talk about what happened in the news. I want to start, Matt, with Falcon 9. Yes, um, obviously. Of course we want to start with Falcon 9. I mean, wow, not a, not a, not a shoddy return, was it? No, do you know what? I, I, um, I Chromecast the live feed onto my big telly and watched it with the kids. Hmm. And I have to say, it's one of the most exciting things I, I've seen because there's, there was so much riding on it. Like we discussed, I mean, SpaceX really can't afford to put many feet wrong this year. No, they had to nail this, and they absolutely did nail it. It was a totally successful launch of the 10 Iridium Next satellites. Got them all into orbit, all in the right position. Job done. Bang. But one of the, the craziest bit was the return of the booster, landing on the barge. I love that the barge was called Just Read the Instructions. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, see, that's really, you've got to be confident to name it that. Because imagine yeah. if it goes wrong and you've called oh. it that. Oh. Not only did it land, it landed absolutely smack. Bang, Bang on, on the X. The photos are the best I've seen. The photos of that landing are really, really, really good. But the yeah. live transmission pretty much uh, remained all the way down, and you, you saw the whole thing. It wasn't one of those ones that cut out because of all the vibrations. Yeah. So it was incredibly, incredibly exciting, uh, and everything worked absolutely perfectly. So well done, SpaceX. Well done, Very SpaceX. Exciting. Good to have you back. There's a SpaceX launch coming up again soon as well. We'll get onto that when we get onto the launches. Matt, do you want a bit of history? Go on then. 345 years ago, Isaac Newton revealed his reflector telescope and was elected Fellow of the Royal Society. And I have a Newtonian reflector telescope, as I believe you that's do as well. That's so right. Most telescopes in, are really based on that Newtonian reflecting thing. So rather than having, uh, like Galileo mm. had, a glass lens that bends the light, you have mirrors that bend the light instead. One large mirror that then shines the image up to a smaller mirror that then shines mm-hmm. that image into your eye. And uh, Newtonian, uh, and Isaac Newton, amongst other ridiculous things, uh, uh, invented the reflector telescope 345 years Good ago. Good work, Isaac. What a legend. This month. This yeah. month, we should mention. Yeah. Uh, Osiris Rex, uh, that did a deep space manoeuvre on December the 28th. Nice. Uh, and that's been confirmed to have worked, so that's pretty awesome. So it's continuing its two-year journey to asteroid Bennu. Very good. Uh, one thing that one thing all you listeners can do that's really really exciting, uh, just like the Cassini mission, we have the Juno Cam aboard Juno, which is which is basically the sort of Jupiter equivalent of, uh, of yeah. Cassini. You can actually vote for the part of Jupiter that you want imaging. Yeah. So it's the Juno Cam has been literally put on there. They've for the done. Public they've done one already, them. haven't they? Or have they done more than one already? Yeah, no. There's been. Yeah, they've done one already. And the, and the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw one online. I mean, amazing. Yeah. So for this flyby, the uh, voting is open from January the nineteenth to January the twenty third. So quick. What are you going to vote for, Matt? Get your voting. Oh, I don't know. I'm looked. What do you want? I see? mean, I'm not going to vote for the red spot because that's been done. So <laughs> obvious. Red spot. The GRS, as as astronomers like to call it. Yeah. Oh, and you know we talked about the Galileo, Galileo. Uh, satellites, yeah. named after Galileo, the first person to see Saturn. Yeah. Well, Saturn's rings, anyway. They're, they're, they've, they've got some problems. The Galileo um, atomic clocks have all started failing. Oh, God. Now, each, of the, each craft have got four atomic clocks, t- uh, two of two different types. 
one main one and one backup of each type. Right. So it's not a disaster, but it's not great either. No. So there's 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 obviously a design fault in one of the types of atomic clock that's on board the Galileo satellite. Uh-huh. So that might delay the launch of the next batch of Galileo satellites. Ouch. Maybe that maybe they'll sort it out. Well, I mean, they'll sort it out for the ones that they're launching. I mean, that's that's well, that's what they're going to do. So, what's very depressing is the moment that Donald Trump got into office. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, global any reference to global warming was removed from the government uh, from the uh, American government website. Uh. And this is at a time where the uh, NASA. Uh, the Goddard Institute of Space Studies and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency, NOAA, uh, said that 2016 was the warmest year since modern record-keeping began. Mm. Uh, and on its, as an isolated thing, it might not be that worrying, but 16 of the 17 warmest years on record have occurred since 2001. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Very, very scary, and uh, and the fact that I am deeply depressed by the anti-science administration that's so far revealing itself in the in the uh, yeah, it's White a scary, House. it's hope- a scary time, and you just hope that um, people can be able to change the government's opinion of that because we already know what a, f- a few of them, including Donald Trump, think. Yeah, and and I think actually it falls <clears throat> down to people like the listeners of this show, us, other kind of. Uh, advocacy science advocacy programs and, uh-huh. and 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 institutions like the british interplanetary society and and people like that 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 we are always putting pressure on on governments and uh, institutions around the world to make sure that the message of science is is there absolutely you know, absolutely yeah. we can't keep calm about this it's something that we have to have to put pressure yeah. on them about oh well uh there's a really cool space sound effects short film competition go on that i thought that that's that i thought was really really cool on soundcloud um uh it's launched by queen mary university in london right and it's de- and it's designed to encourage filmmakers to use the weird and wonderful ultra low frequency analogs of sound waves present in the near earth space environment cool <laughs> when you go on on the uh, on the uh, soundcloud uh, section or on their YouTube um, channel, you can actually listen to all these different sounds from these different uh, bodies. And one of them, Saturn, Saturn's rings, and I'll play that at some point uh, during while well, when we're talking about it, so that you can hear what Saturn's rings sound like. So, where have they got these sounds from, Matt? So, what happens is that they um, that they take a piece of information like the radio waves coming off the planet or some other information that's that, yeah. that has been captured by Cassini or something or one of our other space probes and then convert that into sound waves so that you can hear it as a sound rather than as a as, you know plotted as a graph or plotted in a spreadsheet uh and you and you and it gives you another perspective on on that particular thing well I like the thought that maybe the next Radiohead single will start off with the you know low frequency of of Saturn's rings 
Do you know what? I'm absolutely certain that at some point Radiohead have used spa- low-frequency space sounds. <laughs> they've, probably, they've, probably already, they've probably already done it. Yeah. <clears throat> they must have done it already. I'm, I'm convinced. But anyway, so it's worth entering because um, Definitely there's a potential £2,000 prize in it. Uh, now, we, we should... We, we really... Uh, the last bit of the news that I really wanted to go through was... Um, the sad passing away of Eugene Andrew Jean Cernan. Absolutely. One absolute legend. Yeah. I mean, he's only been to the moon twice. Oh, boring. Done that. Let's yeah, go again. Yeah, done it. And <clears throat> he's also the last man to have uh, stepped on the moon. Yeah. So he was... Uh, yeah, Incredible. the 11th, 11th man on the moon, and then as he was the last to leave it. So he's the last person to have been on the moon. He drove the lunar rover around and at some point managed to get it up to 11.2 miles an hour. And so therefore nice. he's the official lunar land speed record holder. He's the fastest man on the moon. <laughs> he's the fastest man on the moon. The last man on the moon. <laughs> he's, he's been to the moon twice. I think, yeah, I think, I think he's the only one that went twice. And he also wrote his daughter's initials into the into the surface of the moon as he as he as he left, which I think is beautiful. And anyone should and they, you should definitely go and see the film, The Last Man on the Moon, that that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, I haven't seen uh, it yet. I'll have to check yeah. it out. Oh, it's brilliant. It's by Mark Craig, a British filmmaker, and and it's really 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 good. It took nine years to make, and it's basically wow. based on Cernan's own memoirs. So it's it, it's fantastic. Uh, but well, yeah, what what what? Yeah, you know, we're we're, lo- we're starting to lose all our um, Apollo astronauts, and so yeah, they're going, aren't they? <clears throat> so I think it's round about now that we really need to find a whole new set of that we need Apollo astronauts batch. that yeah that go to the moon and to Mars, hopefully. Absolutely, absolutely. So at the end of this program, I am going to play the sound file of Gene Sermon leaving the. Uh, lunar surface because it's a beautiful little speech and he cleverly names the mission during it so if you're really really cool listener you can try and listen to what two words he puts together that relates to the last apollo to that apollo 17 mission let's talk about some launches what's going on last night we had a successful atlas 5 launch of a military satellite nice Obviously, it's successful because it was an Atlas V. <laughs> yeah, of course. Standard. Uh, we've got a Japanese uh, launch coming up soon. Again, this is for a Japanese uh, military satellite. Oh, what, so the that... DSN-2? Yeah, the DSN-2 military communication oh, Glory. Satellite. So that's a joint venture between Sky Perfect, JSET, NEC Corp and NTT. So that's, uh, yeah, X-band communications for J- Japanese military units. Nice. Uh, then on January the 26th, we have another Atlas V in the same configuration as the one that flew yesterday, a 401. Uh, another military satellite for the National Reconnaissance Office, an uh-huh. NROL-79. And then on the same day, we have another Falcon 9 launch. Awesome. Which will be the Echo Star 23. Yes. Uh, which is a geostationary communication. Come on, satellite. SpaceX, you're on a roll. Don't stop now. Right, Jamie. I think yes, that, Matt. Uh, I, I think we should say goodbye to our listeners. Oh, goodbye, listeners. Thanks no, no, as it's, always. It's, 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 thanks very much for joining us again on, on, yeah. on this on this podcast. And thanks very much for supporting the show. And uh if if you can all keep subscribing on iTunes and and stitcher and leaving us nice reviews and and uh, and questions would, and questions 
And uh, we've got some interviews coming up. Uh, I think the next three shows we'll have inter- interviews lined up for. So uh, definitely tune in next week because we've got an awesome interview and then we've got another awesome interview the week after. So definitely tune in to the next two. Do you know what, Matt? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that anyone who posts a question up is going to get an interplanetary podcast pen. Yes, that's a good, that's a good one. Matt, Matt, we need to get some interplanetary podcast pens made. <laughs> but we will. I stand by that. All right, guys, well, look after yourself and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bob, this is Gene and I'm on the surface. And as I take man's last step from the surface back home, for some time to come, but we believe not too long into the future. I'd like to just let what I believe history will record that America's challenge of today has forged man's destiny of tomorrow. And as we leave the moon and Taurus literal, we leave as we came, and God willing, as we shall return with peace and hope for all mankind. Godspeed to crew of Apollo 17.